0: This is the Saturday Supplement. I'm Frank Lewis. These past weeks, all of the ranges of autumn colour, Storm Chiron, didn't happen here, so lots of leaves survived, and maybe it's still worth visiting your closest deciduous woodland to see all of the ranges from deepest reds and browns to the brightest luminous golden yellows. These weeks before and during Christmas, hopefully some sanity in Ukraine and Gaza, and that our focus might be on giving more where there is less. Over these past months from Storied Kerry... Sandra Dunley has been stimulating groups and individuals, young and not so young, to get involved in aspects of Storied Killarney, and all of their work is on show in an exhibition in Killarney House from late November. Storied Kerry directors and others are now emulating the experience of Storied Killarney and the North Kerry Story Trail. Today's programme was recorded on October the 21st. Tell us how you got involved in the story of your own place. Write Frank Lewis, Gillon Mangerton Road, Marcus Killarney. Email franklewismangerton at gmail.com. Text 083 300 or phone 066 And so, to begin. As her contemporary Killarney story, Sandra selected the Men's Shed, a social outlet for men. I don't think I'm being unkind saying particularly retired men we're now in the men's shed on Upper Lewis Road joined by Pat Summers, George Kelly, John Quill and Dermot Keane.
1: Pat the sensory board you made for the men's shed had unexpected effects. When I said about making it I was very nervous that it was i making a fool of myself I laugh and where I'd be the laughing stock of the place. Explain to me exactly what a sensory board is first. It's a very simple thing it's, it's a sandwich shaped board which a lot of little attachments onto it normal things I found in my own shed things like bicycle bells bolts, nuts, washers door handles chains, allen keys, spanners no rules really, anything like that you can put together and brightly coloured which seems to make attract their interest obviously So it's particularly aimed at people who Yes, we have people with special needs and, and, and disabilities that come to the shed a couple of times a week and uh, they enjoy the environment here it seems to relax them most of them are in one-on-one care. They were doing very menial things repeatedly over a number of years and I felt, you know, sure that there was a stage of progression for them. And that's what sparked me into making this. Uh, what effect did it have? Even their carers noticed in a short time at all they were performing tasks that otherwise would have been very difficult for them and, you know, would, would, have, would have compromised them in a big way, you know, that they'd run away from. Yeah. But they took to them very well, very quickly. They come in to spring in their step now on a daily basis and they go straight to this thing and you know, they've been a little treat, maybe a sweet hidden way in a little box or something like that for them which is an incentive also So it's kind of a special exercise thing for them It helps it them is, to become the, Yeah, yeah their the reflexes it? and their eye-hand coordination and this, you know, it, it, it's All improved yes, through that. Yeah. Amazing, wonderful piece of creativity. George, why did you start the men's shed?
0: There were 18 women's groups and no men's group Dermot, you were involved in the
2: development of a sensory garden. It would be nice to have something like a memory garden that people could attend or think about somebody when they have visited it. No. And in Killarney, then we spoke about this and we decided we would do a sensory garden. Why? Because it's out in the open. We have a, people that visit here and many times... Uh, they just sit down in a chair in the front and it, and we thought it was a good idea to put in a sensory garden we talked about it a lot about how we should do it but we wanted sustainable products as well that's why we went and we did it in concrete rather than in wood we have a lot of wood here originally we planned a very simple seat for it but somebody said it would be much better like if we had a seat with the back in it so that you could sit down and kind of rest there for a period of time. So we modified what we were thinking of doing and we put in like a proper seat yeah. near each of them. Then we chose a place where wheelchairs could come in. John, a particular
3: experience you've had in the shed? I had a very serious and sorrowful experience we don't normally speak about. And that was when one gentleman came in and he said, John, I'm here from my last night. And I, I looked at him and I said nothing. And I'm saying, what does he mean by this? He says to me, he said, you know, I'm after going through so many days of chemo, I'm after going through so many days of recovery. It's gone on for 12 months and I'm at the end of my tether. My time is up. And I'm saying, gee, of course I'm saying to myself this. I didn't know, first of all, was he serious or not? And I knew then that, you know, times weren't good with the, the same person. And I said to him, uh, are you serious? I'm very serious, I'm very serious. He said, actually, I will be going to palliative care next week. I really got upset, I'll be honest with you. I had to leave the
1: room. I started to cry. That's... Everybody needs to have a sense of purpose. And when you leave the, the workforce, you need something else where you can, you know, if you feel you have something to offer to society. And I think the Men's Shed takes most of those boxes. It's run by mutual agreement. You can come in here, do anything, everything or nothing. The teapot is always on the boil. There's a good bit of banter, sing songs sometimes. I don't know what I do. I spend. I come here five days a week. Let certainly prolong my life. For instance, uh, Dermot touched on the, the prostate cancer issue. I've been down that road, and I've 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 come out successfully at the other end. Thank God. Thank but you. we had a discussion here on it recently, and I feel it's it's kind of a help by stealth, if you if you if, pardon that expression. We get to discuss these things without having to confide in a professional on the day. And fellas take that on board, and they go away and they take everybody's input into it on board. It might just be enough to, to stimulate him to go and get professional help. A lot of people are reticent to do that. George. The skills would be shared. Everybody rose in.
4: The comrades. I've got into the routine of the walking and that, that I'd be reluctant to do on my own.
2: was. I would spend two nights a week here, generally Monday night and Thursday night. We're open from seven to nine. Meeting people that... I would never have met if I didn't come in here and get an opportunity to see those people in their normal daily routine.
0: This broadcast is going out on the 25th. The exhibition uh, of all of these elements of the story of Killarney will be on from the 20th, so it will already have opened about five days and will, will continue for several weeks. Sandra...
5: Why I was interested in the men's shed, I had uh, my own idea about what they do here, and when I came to talk to them, it's a totally different operation. So you have.
0: Why? What was two... your per- What was your perception?
5: Well, I suppose it was very simple. You know, I thought they'd come here, and I had imagined they'd all be doing, you know, work, woodwork, or whatever, and that they'd be chatting and that they'd go home. But it's community here, and there is very there's two. Well, there's so much going on in that everyone has uh, a diverse range of skills. The skills are shared within the shed and also with the community. So they take up a lot of community projects. It it allows the men who are here to do personal projects. So they use their own skills and also they help and teach other people who they're with and people use their strengths together to, to kind of come up with projects. But I think there's a huge amount of crack, slagging, messing and cajoling that goes on here. I'd say the night I was here, I don't think I laughed more than I had in a long time. And then the other side of the coin is I know when my own mom died, the men from the men's shed arrived in our sitting room that night with support, you know, and that's a huge thing. So there's those two parts. There's the crack there is the serious bit, the projects, and then there is this huge community of support and standing shoulder to shoulder, really. You know, it's, it's, it's as Dermot pointed out, it's much bigger than what you'd imagine.
0: Another I'm dimension in. of the Killarney story. Again, special thanks to Pat Summers and George Kelly, to John Quill and to Dermot Keane. And I believe Billy Gleeson was going to join us, so maybe at another time. And, right, of course, Sandra
6: staying with summer us. Days. Thank you all very much. We thought it would be forever We played our happy games Down beside
7: The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry Brought you in association with Virgin Media Turning this Black Friday red In the Virgin Media Playhouse of Offers See virginmedia.ie for more details The Saturday Supplement With Frank Lewis On Radio Kerry
6: All the bright long Summer days we thought it wouldn't be forever We played our happy games The story of Don't our place means different things to
0: different people. Killarney is famous for its legends, touched on by people like Wendell and Weld and hugely celebrated by and Croker in The Lore of the Lakes, published in 1828. Eleven-year-old Daisy Shukru has written and painted her version of the legend of Tiernanog. We're joined by Daisy's father, Tom, and her mother, Neve, and artist, Ronnie Moore. And we're on the shore of Loch Lane, just looking across towards Tomi's Chehi and Purple Mountain and Caranthul and, and the reeks in the background. The storied Kerry exhibition with all of this will be in Killarney House from the 20th of November for several weeks. Daisy, will you read the story of Tyrannol from me?
8: One morning, the Fina, hunter warriors led by Fionn McCool and his son Oisin were hunting down by Loch Lane in Killarney County Kerry. Suddenly, they saw a white horse riding towards them. On that horse was the most beautiful woman that they had ever seen. She was wearing a beautiful blue dress and had blonde hair that hung to her waist. She was surrounded by a golden shimmering light. My name's Niamh, said the woman. My father is the king of Tirnanog. I have heard of a great warrior poet named Oisin. I have come to take him back with me to Tirnanog. Oshin asked Neve what sort of place Tirnanog was. Tirnanog is the land of youth. It is a happy place where no one grows old. With that Oshin mounted his horse and said goodbye to his friends and family, and promised to come back soon. The horse galloped across the water with Neve and Oshin on its back. The king and queen of Tirnanog greeted Oshin and held a feast in his honour. In the daytime he hunted and at night he told stories of the Fina and their lives in Ireland. Oisín and Neve soon fell in love and got married. Time flew by and Oisín began to remember his promise of returning home for a visit. He told Neve, and although she didn't want him to go, she finally agreed and said, You can take my white horse to Ireland, but no matter what, you mustn't touch the soil of Ireland or else you won't return to me or Tiernanog ever again. So Oshin said goodbye to Neve and set off to Ireland. When Oshin returned to Ireland, it seemed quite strange. The Fianna no longer hunted the green hills and the grand castle that was once home to his family was crumbling and covered in ivy. As he passed through the valley, he saw an old man trying to move a large rock Let me help you, he offered. He leant down to hoist the rock, and as he did so, the saddle girth broke, and he was flung to the ground. As soon as he touched the soil, the white horse ran away, and the men saw before them an old, old man with long white hair and a beard. Oisín remembered then Neve's warning. If he touched the soil of Ireland, he would never return to his beloved. The people gathered round the old man. Where are the Fianna? asked Oisin. He was heartbroken to learn that they were all long dead and that 300 years had passed since he left for Tirnanog. He died soon after, but not before, sharing the legends of the Fianna, his father, the great Fionn Macool, and Tirnanog. To this day, the legends and stories live on.
0: Fantastic. Fantastic. Very, very good. Ronnie, what inspired your designing the crest for Fossa National (laughs) School?
9: As far as I can remember, Frank, and it is it is 35 years ago now, so the memory fades a little bit. I vaguely remember that Tom Long set an art competition for the kids in the school. And the boy that won it, whose name I, can't, I just can't remember, he won it with a painting of Oshin and Neve, And so that was point number one. And then Tom asked me to design the crest. He gave me three options, Oshin and Neve, or... Finn McCool roasting wild boar on the shores of the lake, and the third one I can't remember, yeah. but there was heavy influence on the the winning of the competition, yeah. and the you know, that the boy had won and that definitely, you know by some, the tone of somebody's voice, that Oshin and where the favourite, it definitely was my favourite as well Daisy, why did you decide to write uh, and paint the story of Tiernan Oak?
8: Sandra told me she texted my mum and said are you interested in doing a piece of art and writing a piece about oak And I just said, yeah.
0: yeah. Had you done anything like that before?
8: I'd entered a couple of art competitions, but that was it,
0: really. And you could hear the lapping of the waters of Loch Lane in the background as we're looking across the lake there. Ronnie, there's, there's a special legendary atmosphere in that Tirn and School crest. The single colour, the silhouette of O'Sheen and knee of Kinor and their horse raised on his hind legs, the lighter treatment of the outline of Torque in the background.
9: It gives a nice sense of place, I think. And uh, I remember the Irish inspector Chris Nolan no longer with us now okay. every time she came to the school she referred to it as Fossinafania she never just said Fossil School it was very strong sense of the history and the mythology of the place yeah. and I think to be connected with the legends is a fantastic thing because it's a real connection with your descendants and that these stories are told and I was at a conference years ago it was called Transpersonal Psychology I don't know if you remember that it was in the Great Southern years ago particularly the Americans about that, were absolutely amazed at our sense of our own mythologies and backgrounds and how we were living in it. Like, people living in Fossa are living at Fossa Fossinafania, the resting place of the Fianna. Yeah. We're walking the, the road of Oisin, Oshin. and they thought that was absolutely fantastic. And I think it's lovely to have that sense of your own mythologies. Myths and legends weren't just little stories. They were presenting us with dilemmas and things to work out and things to discuss. Would you leave your family, never to see them again for everlasting youth and a beautiful life and all that, you know, things to discuss and all of that.
0: Interesting themes Tom, how did you help Daisy with the Joy (laughs) Youth Project?
10: Daisy, in her own right, she's very creative anyway, so I mean she doesn't need that much encouragement, even since she was very young even when she was a baby, the turning of pages she was fascinated with you know so there's it went from that then to I think maybe in the genes of her grandfather was a very master craftsman he loved creating you know Henry Purcell he, he passed away now but he was a really creative so I think she has a little bit of that going her schools this, you know the house of children that she went to uh, the Montessori and the Gale School which is a fantastic school to encourage children and you know move them ahead in in creativity so it doesn't take much to get her to do things but when it comes to to these sorts of stories there's no end to the amount of books she has read even i asked her recently how many books she had read and she said too too many to (laughs) account
0: and i love your 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 painting as well your painting there uh how did you get the idea or what Um, kind of
8: i just looked online for some inspiration
0: Ronnie, your paintings are all about aspects of the story of Killarney, as well as legend, landscape, flowers, deer, ancient remains, Ross Castle, folklore, At Killarney today. They're all part of the inspiration that encouraged you to paint.
9: And you couldn't be in a better place, could you? I mean, you just... When I met... My husband, Jerry, we were only kids. Really. I was only 16 when I met him. And the first day I met him, he told me he was going to move to Kerry. And uh-huh. uh, I didn't care, actually. I didn't care if he'd set out in Mongolia at that stage. would have gone. I would have gone anyway. But <laughs> I couldn't have landed in a better place in, than Killarney. But look at where we are now. Even the sounds are inspirational. And you have the lakes, but you also, in Killarney, you have the woodlands, the bluebells. You have so much. Tom, what effect
0: did the writing and painting of Tyranoke have on Daisy, do you think?
10: I think if you look out here today now, there is inspiration to be got from every corner of the lake. I suppose the original person who wrote that, you know, put it together, those mythological stories, the same as Daisy or anybody who comes out here, there's, there's an inspiration to be got here in every corner of the lake looking out at the mountains.
0: Sandra, Daisy's story and painting will be featured in your storied Killarney exhibition in Killarney House from November the 20th, so it's already open when the programme goes out way into December.
5: Daisy is the youngest storyteller in the exhibition which is Fabulous, and it does take a lot of courage to say yes to a request like that, because even my adult storytellers were somewhat reluctant, some of them. And it's a
0: special way of getting them involved in the story of their place, isn't it? I yeah, them.
5: and taking ownership of the stories of your own place and grounding yourself in your own community.
0: Tom, Neil and Daisy Shukru and Ronnie Moore
6: and, of course,
0: Sandra. Sandra, stay with us.
6: We thought would be forever. We played our happy games down
7: beside... You. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry. Brought you in association with Virgin Media. Turning this Black Friday red in the Virgin Media Playhouse of Offers. See virginmedia.ie for more details. The Saturday Supplement with Frank Lewis on Radio Kerry.
6: All the bright long summer days We thought would be forever we played our happy games... In the Storied
0: Kerry inspired through Sanded and trip around the different aspects of Storied Killarney. Today's programme was recorded on October the 21st. For future programmes, the story of how you got actively involved in the story of your place. Text 083 300 3300 or phone Now, moths, an aspect of the fauna... We did a whole programme on the Mots at the end of August 2021, just at the end of COVID. And I'm joined by two of the people who featured on that, well, four maybe, of the people who featured on that programme. I have Stephen Cotter and his 11-year-old son, Alton, and Lurcon MacDonald from the Kenogdon campus of Kerry College, and 13-year-old son, uh, Ronan. Sandra, because Sandra made it all happen, uh, we're just at the entrance of Arena Dinner of the U Woods, these amazing places that we'll hear more about as we go along. Stephen, my memory is that you decided to focus particularly on the study of moths during COVID. In June last year, you made a very significant discovery.
11: Yes, the white prominent moth is a kind of very significant moth in. Britain in Ireland where it's only found now in South West Ireland in Cary, in remote areas in Kerry, It hadn't been seen in the Muckras area for some 70 years and I was fortunate. I had a sense that it may still be here but not found and so like we often do, we seek out areas which are perhaps a bit more remote or unsurveyed previously and I was fortunate to find one in the trap which was quite a breathtaking moment. Lorcaan, isn't it amazing?
0: We're recording on the 22nd of October. The amount of bird song at the moment is amazing. Round about us here. It's greatly still, beautiful morning, clear, clear blue sky. Morning, Frank. My recollection is that your focus on moths also developed during COVID. Was there a particular highlight since our program in August 2021?
4: Lots of highlights. When we started, we had an animal feed bucket with a little fluorescent camping lamp over it. But now we have, I think we have five traps at home nowadays. And I suppose we now have a trailer on the back of a bike. We live in the middle of White Prominent Country, and the woodland across the road is a stronghold. But in even in this year, we've had White Prominent in our garden. And then north of Carra Lake, there's been White Prominent recordings as far down as Cremon this this year as well. So as a population, it is pretty well established in the area. We still haven't found anything on the far side of Carrol Lake, on the western side.
0: Stephen, you and Alton were out at, at 6 o'clock this morning, you said, and you were here since 6 o'clock this morning. What did you find last night? The numbers
11: are way down this time of the year compared to the summer. But we were still up, I mean, getting up at 6 is, is, is a bit of a lie-in compared to the crazy hours that we get up in the summertime. On the height of the summer, you'd be up at half-four or so, because you must remember the birds will see a moth trap as a bird table for them. But even last night, I mean, there's still a number of species people would be surprised to know that specialise in the off-season, if you like, in the autumn. There are less birds feeding their young at this time of year, so a little less predatory activity uh, for them. So we see quite a, a number of, of, of moths, even in in the cold. And, and right the way up into December and January, mm-hmm. I've had moth traps with snow on them and yet a, a moth or two in them, yeah. which is amazing.
0: Yeah. You were showing us what you trapped last night, and my 11-year-old assistant granddaughter said... Sarah was fascinated the colour i mean one you were showing us that green there against the the lichen on the on the piece of stick it blended
11: completely it's amazing it's amazing because you must remember everything wants to eat it yeah. so uh, during the daytime it's still and mm. blends in they uh, have this fabulous coloration to to blend into. to avoid And that particular moth is known as it's a lovely french name the Merveille du jour which is the marvel of the day and, you know, when you look at it, it, it really does take your breath away.
0: Uh, all of them, I mean, uh, Sarah was comparing them all to pieces of cloth and what would make good dresses and so on. They are extraordinary, aren't they? They are they're...
11: extraordinary, because they're under such pressure with everything trying to eat it, so that has driven this explosion of forms and of colours. Um, there are big ones and small ones, there are ones that sit with tinted wings, and other ones that are and every sort of colour you can imagine, all again trying to blend in, trying not to get eaten for itself.
0: Lurkhan, in 2021, your son Ronan, and your daughter Mary Ellen joined us in Glencar and and at Ardashie, where we were also joined by your wife Colette. What have you done, lot-wise?
12: Nothing much since um, then, because of school. But I've been keeping up to date from Dad.
0: The
8: Mervelle de Joux I really like catching, and just a few others, um, the Black Arches and a... yeah. And uh, all the
0: and is school interrupting your study of bots as well?
8: A small, but not that much, because we have the weekends and sometimes I just get up really early and still make it to school.
11: Stephen, uh, anything else of interest in last night's trap? we get quite a number of moth species that migrate so we often think of of migration as birds perhaps but all sorts of insects do also migrate mm-hmm. and these are moths that travel up usually from the Mediterranean area often at the end of the season or around this time of year when they've sort of their own food plants have been eaten out really and they, they have this drive to disperse northwards. And so even last night we have this beautiful pale coloured moth which has got this red stripe across it and it's called the vestal moth and vest as in the Vestal Virgins in ancient Rome which, which also had a red sash so you can see where it gets its name and that's a pale colour and that doesn't really blend in in our greenery and our brown leaves here but it does blend in wonderfully with the arid dry sands and stuff in the yeah. Mediterranean so it's yeah. amazing that that has arrived in, in, in our woodland here in Mockris travelling all that way um, right. and the numbers are staggering and
0: that's that tiny little moth that's mean, a
11: tiny little moth yeah travelling hundreds of kilometers we get another species called the silver wine that's estimated to travel about 300 kilometers a night which is unbelievable 300 kilometers a night so this is getting into the the jet stream Ah, but they're coming in their hundreds of millions there's sorts of numbers you're talking about and and with the warming climate we are seeing some of these species becoming resident here and and overwintering which previously they wouldn't have
0: Mm. sarah until this morning did you ever realise? that moths were so beautiful?
8: No, not really.
0: So would it encourage you to go out and and look at moths more, in a different kind of way, instead of trying to hunt them out or put your foot on one of them?
8: (laughs) Well, I wouldn't generally try to kill them, but, yeah, I suppose.
0: Stephen, the number of moths we have compared to butterflies and the number that are there in the wintertime compared to summertime,
11: my bird table at home in the summer's day I might have 10 or 15 species who would be doing quite well that same spot if I trapped there we could in the summer time you could have 50 or 60 species yeah. and in a beautiful area like where we're standing this morning you could have over 100 species you um, probably have around 1500 1, species of moths compared to how many
0: butterflies 38 or
11: 39
0: to photograph a moth you obviously need special photographic equipment to be able to get close enough to give the kind of detail that are around the body of the moth
4: A little bit. Definitely the big challenge is is the light, because you're out in in poor lighting condition, poor light at that hour of the day, uh, having some some form of of illuminating it. The flash doesn't always work for me, but I I know you have a a light ring on the front end of a lens that that helps illuminate the area for me. Sandra
0: was telling me that at the exhibition in Killarney House from the end of, of November your photographs and photographs uh, of moths are going to be a particular highlight so it is a particular kind of photography isn't it?
11: Well it is macro photography again like all these things how far into it do you want to go? I have a special lenses and stuff. They make a lovely subject you know they're so different and, and trying to get them in a natural setting is very rewarding and when you look at these small people might have a, a moth fl- fluttering around their bathroom but if they actually put it in a glass and let it settle and actually look at Closely, they're wonderfully patterned, and it's very rewarding. And people can then look it up easily. There's some fabulous resources online and so on to name the moth, and then you can perhaps figure out what it, its food plant is. Some of their life cycles are incredible. We have caterpillars. That's the, the larvae of the moth. Some of them live underground. Some of them. You
0: were showing us on a whole range of of leaves there a minute ago, did yes. you?
11: We have some little caterpillars, amazingly, will actually live within a leaf, within the the upper and lower surfaces of the leaf. Between the the, the, the leaves of the leaf, as it were. And and amazingly, there are a whole section of parasitic wasps that specialize on those. They will sense the leaves in which those caterpillars are. They will inject their own eggs into the leaf. And that little larvae will track down the larvae of the micromoth and eat it. on Moth Study.
12: Yes, I probably will look more into it when I get older. Bolton. Um,
8: I haven't thought of it that much. Probably I would look more into it.
5: Sandra. The photographs that Stephen takes are just breathtaking and I think visually, obviously, they will draw people in and then all of his incredible information is there alongside them so I think it will be certainly one of the, the special parts of the ex- exhibition
0: Stephen and Alton Cotter oh, and Ronan and on a- McDonnell thank you all for joining us
6: we thought it wouldn't be forever we played our happy games down beside the Dean of the River
7: the Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry brought you in association with Virgin Media. Turning this Black Friday red in the Virgin Media Playhouse of Offers. See VirginMedia.ie for more details. The Saturday Supplement with Frank Lewis on Radio Kerry.
6: All the bright long summer days we thought would be forever. We played our happy games. Now, The Boys Below the Bridge, celebrated in his own song
0: by Morris Moriarty, who grew up in Lower New Street in the 1950s, a great place to live, and the domain as a playground. Other natives of Lower New Street were joined by Johnny Healy, of of Christy Healy's shop, that celebrated 100 years this year, who started life here in the the early mid-40s. And Dennis O'Donoghue, who grew up in the Central Hotel in Lower New Street and went on to teach in St. Brendan's, has also done much on the history of the college. Dennis I think of it particularly as being the avenue of the light
13: in that it led you straight down to all the joys of the domain. Mm -hmm. I have memories of the people who worked for Lord Canmere coming up the street with their great big horses drawing a great big cartload of trees freshly Mm -hmm. cut down into the main Mm -hmm. taken up to Lord Canmere Sawmill which is now Beach Road. I have another one that I associate, Johnny, with uh, your shop. Yeah. A gathering of people at six o'clock in the evening yeah. with their jugs and little gallons That's for nice. their milk. Uh-huh. And there was one particular supplier. He would come charging down. It was like the film Bill Horror. He would come <laughs> charging down the street with the whip yeah. and pull up inside, outside Christie's.
14: Johnny. We had a local character, down do his name was George Smith. He was a candlestick maker, a butcher, and uh, apparently the, the local people used, used to be dead from listening to all the squealing of the pigs being killed out the back of the shop. Oh, yeah? <laughs> and I remember his wife, God rest her soul, her eyesight was failing her, and as kids we used to go in with kinds coins, and we used to put <laughs> silver wrapping over it. So I said, I changed my arm this morning and oh, Yeah, anyway, go on. We, it. And she was fiddling around, and she took off the bit of uh, thing around the, the coin silver. <laughs> come here boy she says what's your name and I ran as fast as I could out of the shop
15: <laughs> Morris I remember another man down there um, Mr McNeil the, pub, the poor man his, his sight was failing for a long time I think he was blind for a finish uh-huh. and we used to have the old pennies you know, and we'd polish it up as good as we could and try to persuade him it was a half crown <laughs> but um, it, it never it, it, it never happened it never happened when we got the summer holidays, you couldn't conceive of something like that happening now, but when we got the, the summer holidays, we sort of left the house and the way we remember it is we didn't come back to the house again until the, the until day every it was time to go back to school, oh. you know, so we were, we were down here the whole time. I remember the old mansion, the red brick oh, building.
13: Yeah. I remember in particular was standing in front of this great big gaping hole and it was the access to, it had been, to the cellars I think
14: this, uh, sorry, yeah, I no. remember.
13: and uh, we were too chicken to go down there anyhow because <laughs> of bats probably and the, uh, a mounting block which I had never seen before oh. where if you want to get up on the horseback, back there was a step up to it or maybe two steps and you got up to the top of the block and then threw your leg over the, the horse's back we didn't come in past the cottage here when we were young it was a kind of a rite of passage to be able to climb over the wall and you'd be at the river. Once you got in, your next fear was the
0: gamekeeper. I should have started by saying we're, we're behind Deenock Lodge just to keep out
15: of the way of people passing by. Morris, The Boys Below the Bridge, you, you've written a song. I have, yes, and I suppose if I thought there was going to be this much belly who about it, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think maybe I mightn't. That name is more or less forgotten, no, I suppose, you know, you wouldn't hear. In those days, people were born down in New Street and lived all their lives there and died there. I, I don't think that goes on anymore. I don't think any of us, in spite of our ages, none of us would have remembered that bridge. The two halves of New Street were, were divided. The house that's the motor factors now, that was the last house on the north side of Upper New Street. And the place then that's called was a Kitty's Kitchen or oh, something, yeah. that was number two. Lower New Street, yes. and number one then was inside, uh, up the little lane where there's only one wall of it left now. Uh, it looks as though it was a fine building in its d- day, I'd imagine. Somebody told me that it was a tannery. We assumed that that's where the bridge was. The river presumably is underground now. Oh, it is mostly all underground. You- New Street, one description
13: I've seen once it was described as Bridge Street, below the bridge. And then King Street was another
16: why Kingsbridge? you King
13: Kingsbridge here. Oh yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so the King I've seen a document over. in the Bishop's House archives there, which referred to an address in King Street, and it would be in what we now call Cathedral Place. Yeah. Johnny Healy's shop.
14: I remember as a youngster inside in the shop, there was a mission on in town. And there was this patient, God be with him. He came right into me about quarter to twelve, had a sandwich and a glass of milk and etc. Yeah. Went down to the church, and the sermon that day was on a confession. So this missioner said, Not to worry about it, it's quite easy. He said, Some people haven't been at confession for a month, some a year, and there might be somebody here who hasn't been at confession for ten years. Yeah. That was all right. Up he comes to me again anyway and he gets another glass of milk in the shop and he looks at me straight in the face and he was pondering this question. He said, I can't figure out how the make no I no, I was in that condition <laughs> for 10 years. <laughs> another story was uh, this patient, he was there and um, gave me a glass of milk and a sandwich, etc. And he was walking down the street out of the shop and I roared after him. Hi, come back. You lift your teeth after you, but teeth did in just and <laughs> <seconds>.
13: <laughs> <laughs> On a Sunday night, the cinema could put on any old rubbish almost, because pe- particularly during Lent, people wanted to get out. And after the films end- ended, you would see coming down New Street, a squad of bicycles, and they were people mm. from Beaufort and they were cycling home, and they, they cycled en masse kind of thing, yeah, you know, yeah. ten or twelve of them. <laughs> and they would stop at Johnny's, and they would go in and, well you'd know better than me what they'd buy now, <laughs> Sidona we, and... Was,
14: in, indoors was basically, it was a um, sandwich. Yes bologna sandwiches yeah, yeah. they were oh, yeah. <laughs> a glass of lemonade or a yeah. glass of milk yes. And a Sunday night in particular like, yeah. you would have anything up to 70 people there inside, inside the small little shop yeah. Yeah. and the whole conversation was about the cow, if it was a cow by film yeah. which might have been diabolical <laughs> did, you, do, did you remember this part of the film or the, that part of, this was the whole <laughs> but they, they were innocent times
15: I was just remembering there you now as, as Johnny as you spoke about Joe Smith, uh, he was a bit before my time, he was dead by the time we came to New Street but yeah. we she forgot he was to spend a share of time up there and uh, we she was telling me one time that the way that Joe managed it, uh, there was no bolt gun or anything like that, he'd bring the animals in through the front door of the shop, his, his yeah. wife had a little bit of a shop, <laughs> bring them out in the yard and he would kill them more or less with his bare hands. <laughs> Sandra,
5: the exhibition will be opening the week of the 20th of November in Killarney House for a number of weeks, I believe.
0: Will you be playing Morris's song as part of the exhibition? Yes,
5: I found the story of the boys below the bridge on Facebook on Killarney down memory lane
15: it started off as just uh, the idea of walking around Knock Rear here and taking it as a kind of a, a metaphor for you know for our lives uh-huh. that we're going up for a while then we're out in the open and bright and middle-aged and everything is wonderful and at some stage we have to go down the hill on the other side towards this dark wood and we don't know what's <laughs> on the other side of that wood you know that was the start of it and <laughs> I, I really don't know where the rest of it came from.
0: Johnny Healy Dennis I don't know who, and Morris Moriarty and of course Sandra is staying with us so before we go to a break and the 10 o'clock news to play us out, let's listen to Morris's singing of
6: the boys below the bridge. All the bright, long summer days we thought would' be forever. We played our happy games down beside the Dean of River, playing soldiers, rogues and cowboys. Just like our cinema heroes. Out across the western plains, we chased the outlaw desperadoes and all through the deep green wood. And never a fear of danger when we followed Robin Hood on many a grand adventure, up the hill and down again. And swinging on the big tree and where the river ends. Spam out from the Sandy Young and brave and free But the wheel of life moves on We leave young days behind us And before we know they're gone The cares of life will find us Now the boys below the bridge We'll meet no more together. Some are gone and far away. Some are lost and gone forever. And I walk where once I ran. On many a morning, ramble across the fields above the town, over the grass and gravel, to the height of Knocknaree, looking out to the far horizon. The blue-grey mountain shore, the silver lake and the dappled islands, as far as the eye can go. Ashlinggal, bright vision, to raise the heart and soul in every kind of season, Then down the hill and home. And who in the hand of time Will hold me from my journey I will need no church bell chime To lead me on to glory No stone to mark my name Or tell where I have travelled For all will be the same When the strand of life is ravelled And we lie. Below the ground And in the gentle night Beyond that final curtain All is dark or all is bright We cannot know for certain And maybe we'll rise again As the holy book has told us Then I'll sound my harp and sing With the holy angel for us If we live beyond the grave And in the eternal time If I am not found wanting There's a hill my ghost will climb If ever I go haunting By the old familiar way Across from the Dainette River To the fields of Knucknery Forever and forever
7: I would not ask for more The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry Brought to you in association with Virgin Media Turning this Black Friday red In the Virgin Media Playhouse of Offers See virginmedia.ie for more details The Saturday Supplement with Frank Lewis on Radio Kerry.
6: All the bright long summer days We thought would would be forever We played our happy games Welcome back.
0: Today's programme was recorded on October the 21st. For future programmes, how you get actively involved in the story of your place. Text 083 300 3300. 7123666 Email franklewismangerton at gmail.com Write Frank Lewis, Gellon, Mangerton Road, Muckras, Killarney. Sandra Dunley from Storied Kerry challenged individuals and groups young and old from Killarney to get involved in some aspect of the story of their own place. We're now in the largest wood in Europe, Rina dinner on the Muckras Peninsula. I'm joined by a group of young adults, uh, Michaela Pingo, Rachel Griffin, Anna Dunley, Misha McCarthy, and Elizabeth O'Shea who tell story on solo and group projects as artists, filmmakers, writers actors, dancers and photographers to give a feeling for this unique place Anna, would you read your poem Rina Dinner,
17: Sun-dappled pillars of silver and green Towering cathedrals skywards Earth-damped dew and warmth in the air Choirs in every bough, Feathered beatboxers, heads high and proud Not awaiting discovery Moss twigged and bramble underfoot, adding the low bass tones as I crunch. Fusion fundamentals of girl versus bird. The beauty so rich, phone is pocketed, eyes too hungry to share.
0: What's the challenge in painting the woods?
17: I think it's capturing the light that passes through leaves.
0: Rachel, tell me about these woods.
18: Your child coming here with your family on a Sunday to have a walk or a run through the forest, I think a lot of us hold a lot of nostalgia here. So it was really nice to return back after such time of not finding the time in a busy schedule to just appreciate what we have here just outside our front door. I wouldn't think of any place that I'd compare to here.
0: How do you reflect these woods in music
18: and directing? References to nature, It's the core fundamentals, and I think as a musician, in particular, because let's just say you'd be composing a piece, you often have to, ironically enough, go back to your roots to find the inspiration for what you want to create, and I think from a directing standpoint, it's its own blank canvas in its own Mm. right, so you can find a lot of inspiration by just being able to see things, and the detail and the subtleties that you can pay attention to, I think it really helps you be able to develop that as a skill.
0: Misha, how difficult is it to photograph the yew woods here in dinner?
19: It's quite difficult to capture, as Anna said with the painting, all the different light and beauty that's in here because it's so detailed. There's not just one thing to look at. Everywhere you look there's something new and beautiful, and it's kind of overwhelming.
0: As a photographer, what what do you set out to do here?
19: I want to capture what is real and what is here, but also provoke some kind of emotion while doing that I think it's nice to... Give me an example When you look at a spider web it could just be a spider web but if you capture the spider within that then it can tell a story
0: Michael,
11: how would you prepare to write a piece about these woods? Kalani as a whole, especially the woods, is enchanting And it's so easy to find inspiration just walking through the park And especially this area here, the oldest yew tree forest in Europe The fact that it keeps growing and growing and growing, it's eternal But do you find that you have to, if you want to write something To give
0: some idea of what this place is like Do you have to do it almost while you're here or, or immediately after
11: you leave here? I do it after I leave. I always come here and I write notes about what I see. I think about how that could relate back to a story I'm trying to tell. I think it was a Ellen's photograph.
0: When I was looking at the photograph of the group of you here in the woods, the one thing that occurred to me was was Harry Potter. Just some of the kind of mystery of that. I've always regarded this as a, as a, a mysterious place, a place where all sorts of unusual things might happen.
19: It's funny you say that because there's a cave quite nearby that... Sh- myself and my family used to always go to when we were younger and we would make up the most outrageous things like there was bats in the cave and there was stone age paintings on the walls and it might have been true but it probably wasn't <laughs> but it was fun to imagine and I think like, who knows what could have actually gone on there in the past and I think that makes it very interesting and mysterious because we don't really know.
0: Yeah, but nature is like that anyway, isn't it? There are all sorts of different dimensions to it, and it suggests different things to different people, and at different times, and in different weather.
20: I
17: think it's such a mysterious place because there's not many animals living here, there's just birds and insects, which is very strange to see when you come into a place, because usually you'd hear the crackling of a branch every now and again by, you know, maybe a deer or a squirrel or whatever, in kind of other worlds around the world. But in here it's just such a quiet place, it's almost mysterious, it kind of takes you back, so it's a completely different world to outside of here.
0: But even imagining, I mean, the, we were just talking there to two people who are involved in Moth Collection, and we have something like 1,500 varieties of mosses, a great number of them live in here.
17: It's a different world in here, it's a different life in here, so, th- like, the main living thing in here is moss, which is something completely different from anything living or moving that we'd know. And I think it's so amazing to see that there's so many different types and that there's such a world that you don 't know about, and there's so many things to learn here. Mm. I think it's just something that you I would love to like invest more time and research into
0: for what purpose or to for what
17: purpose I think I just love to learn about the different moths what like what do they contribute to this ecosystem because I would think it'd be quite a fragile not like ecosystem that if pollution or would in- be upset easily, indeed. And I think a place like this is very important to protect
0: indeed. Are there other projects like this that you any of you would like to undertake
18: after today but even after our experience when we were doing the photography in the woods I think I sat with myself anyways and I was obviously I'm very fortunate to be friends with such a ver- like a group with a variety of talents that can be brought to the table so because you have that choice and you have this place that again is right outside our doorsteps it should be used People should be inspired and people should want to take initiative. And I know myself in future, I'd like to come back and want to invest time into trying to bring the stories, make it more alive, but especially being able to use all of the talents that are here in the locality of Killarney to make something
19: special out of it. I think the reason it's so cool to be here is that you could literally do any kind of art form in this area and make it as special as each other because when you're in here you feel like you're inside a different world because it's so green and it's like nothing exists apart from this and I think some kind of film project would probably be really really cool because of just the incredible visuals and how beautiful it is. I think what's interesting
11: about the woods is that it's very hard to find the words to describe and how you feel when you're in an area like this because it's just it's so amazing and so beautiful it's so unique compared to anywhere else I've ever been in my life And it's something that I definitely want to try and express, but it's something that I feel like we have to express visually. Even if we do write it, it will have to be expressed visually. So... That's what I love about it.
19: If we were to do another project on it, I honestly would love to be a part of it. I'm not as creative as the people here. I'm not much of a writer, but I would love to be a part of a project about a place so wonderful and beautiful as this.
0: Yeah. yeah, the birds calling in the background. There, <laughs> yeah. He's objecting to and Anna, last word to you.
17: I think there's just so many possibilities of what could take place here. I think I'd absolutely love to do another project involving everyone else in here and I think I'd love to do maybe something, a film or a play, take place in here. I feel like it'd be very unique because to me this place feels like just out of the world. Like It's not a part of everyday life. It's so secluded, it's so overwhelmingly green and I just think it'd be beautiful to have something visual and formed here and I think everyone in this like kind of group would be amazing to take part of this hmm. but
0: isn't finding unique places very often having the eyes to see them or having the time taking the time to look at them or look for them
17: I think that's definitely a big part of being creative like everyone I know here they have such a unique outlook and I think that's the main focus of finding places like this, finding places that are unique, places that are different. It's a big part of showing you what as an artist makes you different, what makes you special. And I think here definitely is just an incredible place. And I would love to invest more time into making more projects So it.
0: in the exhibition, in the show in karani House, Beginning, in fact, a couple of days before this program goes out, but running through to the end of November and early December, hopefully. H- how will you show? I'm, okay, there are going to be photographs. There's going to be. Is there something in particular? Are you going to do something in particular during the exhibition?
17: I don't think there's anything particular we've planned. But for myself, I would love to go and talk to people, and invite them to like come to the woods, I'd love to like tell them that this is here, I feel like not many people know, it's kind of just a trail off the path, I'd love to engage with people and I feel like this is a place that you don't, it's something that you need to tell people about, it's something that you need to talk to other people about it, it's not something that you just should read about, I think it's a very social place and I think more people should definitely come here
0: Michael Pingo Rachel Griffin, Anna Dundee, Misha McCarthy, Ellen McSweeney Ellen isn't with us today and Elizabeth all O'Shea, thank you all for lawn. telling me
6: Thank you We thought it wouldn't be forever We played our happy games down beside
7: you. The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry brought to you in association with Virgin Media turning this Black Friday red in the Virgin Media Playhouse of Offers See virginmedia.ie for more details The Saturday Supplement with Frank Lewis on Radio Kerry.
6: All the bright long summer days We thought would be forever We played our happy games In Down this journey Stein, to being
0: actively involved in the story of Killarney, now history, the story of your family is part of the story of your place. The Quill Dunlea family tree with Sandra, Quill, Peter and Anna Dunlee. And there was a question of John Quill, but he hasn't appeared so far. We're in Muckras Abbey, we're beside the grave of the Courtney family, so grand aunts and grand-uncles. Peter, your grandmother raised on the Aran Islands and then living and working in Killarney in the
21: 1930s. I remember as a young guy coming down here, my grandad and my granny, and talking about some story of her living here. But subsequently I rented a place for a restaurant down in the West End in Killarney and uh, I was talking to my aunt and she came down and she visited us and she said do you know what this reminds me of the place your grandmother used to stay and we walked up into a back room, and lo and behold, she said, I guarantee you this was the place. We rang my uncle, who knew more of the store, and she said, Absolutely, that was the room she used to stay in. And we were renting the restaurant, and strangely enough, your son in law worked with me in the same restaurant. Mike and Mick. Mick, yeah, yeah. And it was a great story. She came down. My grandfather used to come up and down the train, and they were together at that stage up in Kilcullen. So it was a long old trip those days coming up and down to her. But my aunts remember the pictures and the stories of her looking out into the back gardens of, which is now Killarney House. She she used to train the girls from the, the middle school Killarney of housewifery.
0: From the Aran Islands. Did that imagine the contrast? Yeah.
21: Well, strangely enough, she came from um, up in Oma, so her family home in Oma was being raided regularly by the British. So herself and her two brothers left uh, overnight and went to the Aran Islands to their uncles. Subsequently, her brothers went home, but she stayed there and was brought up in the Aran Islands. There's a book in that woman. There was uh, history in the family, ultimately from the flatteries, so we we, we go way back into pirate times. Sandra, from your interview you had with your, your grandfather, Paddy Fleming, in the
0: 1990s...
5: My grandfather's first cousin, Jack Fleming, was the personal assistant to the Prince of Asturias, the heir to the Spanish throne. He was a very protected child, that prince, because he had haemophilia. When he did make his escape for freedom, he went a bit wild. They travelled extensively, ended up going to America and finally, well, Cuba, uh, New York and finally Miami. He died in his early thirties in a car crash in Miami. He was out late at night with some young lady. My cousin, Jack Fleming, was the, the, the man to, to go and bring him to hospital and he was by his bedside when he died. So he had to relay all of this to the king and queen and they actually remained in contact all his life. And it was Mary, or his sister, who I went to visit in the 90s around in Dublin, and she was in her late 90s then, she showed me the letters and the photographs and, you know, various documentation from the royal family to Jack
0: in that beautifully artistic visual of six generations of your family back to the 1840s, which you completed as a history classroom-based assessment, Anna...
17: There was an ever-changing business that was always in the hands of women. So it first started with Ellen and Margaret Courtney, and they had, ran a public house in Henning Street, which is now Plunkett Street, and they ran that for years, and they were, they were the sole owners, and they were in charge of everything, and that was quite unusual for the time, as, you know, women weren't kind of seen as capable as they would have been but then after so after Margaret and Ellen there was Peggy and she ran her own confectionery and grocery. She went off to the UK and she learned all the different ins and outs of the trades and she came back to Clarney and she put everything she learned into her business Mm. and she ran it for many years and then the next. The cafe exactly Mm. so the generation after that would be my grandmother um, Yvonne Quill and she would have ran the cafe, Indeed. as many would know nowadays untidy
0: towns and all and sorts tidy of towns
17: and all sorts of things yeah. and then shortly after that, my own mother ran uh, miss courtney 's hearingarns, which is named after marker Courtney
21: Peter becoming part of the quill family. The most memorable discovery was probably Peg when I arrived in to the cafe and uh, as all of you remember her sitting up there at the top of the counter telling stories about the world, the stories the woman had would just uh, absolutely blow your mind with just the different going on's of what what, what was there and what was happening in the town and I recall sitting with her actually, I'd say it was the night she was dying or afterwards and the crack out where we were talking about circuses in the field and she was in great old form up to the very end of when when she passed away.
0: Sandra, joining the Dunlee family, finding that they thought they had a richer story than the Quills and the Flemings,
5: was that a letdown? <laughs> well, no. The, the Dunleaf family are fantastic. And actually, um, I'm going to mention Pete's mum's line because I suppose when I met Pete, which is a long time ago now, nearly 25 years, they, they have, well, a real entrepreneurial thre- thread in that family. Mm. And uh, my husband is an continuing. absolute perfect example of that and any kind of behaviour we'll say that would be you know, unusual or if he's, he, he goes missing and he's, he's busy I mean, I, his mom always used to blame the wildness on the father's line. Nessa Dunleavy's maiden name, O'Connell, her mother was an O'Flaherty from the Iron Islands Royalty so,
0: and literature and business Anna, do you find yourself torn between the Dunleavy and Quill
17: stories? Well I don't think so, necessarily. I think they might find themselves a bit torn in between them, but I think it's kind of just part of who I am.
0: Peter, in all of Anna's tracing, is there one of your ancestors
21: you would have liked to have been? That's a very good question. Um, I suppose, do you know, years ago, I remember, as, again, as a kid, going down with my grandfather down to East Cork, uh, Waterford, and there was an uncle of mine who was a thatcher. He didn't do a whole heap. He attached. Uh, he didn't leave Ballymacoda. I remember we brought him up to the ploughing championships up in the location, which is now Electric Picnic, and we went up um, and he went on a helicopter ride, myself and himself. He'd never left County Cork Water, for that area before. First trip up to Kiltair, and myself and himself went up in a helicopter. I remember the crack of him. He went straight back down afterwards and went hatching. Very simple life, no involvement in anything else, just relaxed the what he was at. There's a lot to be said to being <laughs> keeping in the one location and enjoying what's around you.
0: Sandra, who would you like to have been?
5: Peggy Fleming. You're e. Coughlin. Running the cafe. My grandmother. She did so much more than that. She was just an incredibly strong woman and I was very lucky to be uh, well, be with her every day of my young life or my up until my early 20s. She was well educated. I think she was a, a lucky woman and also a strong woman. She was a woman full of adventure.
0: I won't put you in the embarrassing <laughs> position to have to choose, but is, is there a book in all of this? And and would it be fact or fiction?
17: I think it would all. Be, I'd like to think it'd all be fact. I'd like to think all the crazy stories. But look at the freedoms
0: the you could have had.
17: Exactly. Sure. <laughs> I think I'd actually love to write something maybe loosely based on something of my family, you know, about all the crazy stories I'd be hearing um, because I'd be into writing myself and I'd love to maybe write a short story or a play, something about them because, sure, everyone knows you have 50 million different stories and I'd love to...
0: And you'd be totally honest in what you'd write. (laughs)
17: I believe I would be. I'd like to think I'd be completely honest. <laughs>
0: and you'd still be in with both branches of the family. Oh, I don't know about that
17: now. <laughs> <laughs> your,
0: your artistic rendition of of the family tree is beautiful. It must have taken an awful lot of work.
17: Oh, it did. Um, I think the most important thing for me about fam- like writing it and drawing it and all that was finding the women in the line. Because I had looked at so many different family trees other people might have had or our own family trees that we would have had in the past and would always be the male name or just in all the family tree going back further and further and further so it was really important to me to find the women in the tree and um, I'm proud to How could you
0: escape them in that kind of family tree? Exactly,
17: (laughs) exactly because there are so many brilliant and wonderful women in this family tree and I'm so glad that I was able to include them and have their names down in the tree.
0: You're not ruling out our writing off the male the mail members. No, no,
14: no, no, not at all, don't
21: worry. Peter, do you want to comment on that? Well, look, she's she's well able to write them off and write them in, too, so it'll all depend on on, on, on what we've done for her or, or what we haven't done for her. Like she's, she's a great girl. She's, it's interesting to see her, her grandmother, as my mother used or used to act quite a bit in the, um, I think it was Tops of the Towns at the time, I can't yeah, remember the, the yeah. name of it, but Anna wrote a little play um, that she's putting on in Dublin with her grandmother, Acting in it, oh, so she fantastic. managed to talk her grandmother and her friends into acting for on um, three nights in Dublin. So they're up there practicing away. The so so when she's is that and well where? able. It's on up in Dublin. It's uh, the second week of November, and it's uh, as part of the um, Fringe Festival for oh, great. for it's called R- Rare Is It. I'll let Anna tell you because I only tell the wrong things. Yeah. So Where's the venue?
17: Um, it's in the Moon Tours Club or the Teachers Club in Dublin, in Parnell Square, oh. and. It's part of this festival called Vera Festival, which is all about celebrating kind of um, playwrights, new playwrights and new work.
0: Family history uh, uh, in Mockris Abbey. Anna and Peter and Sandra Lee.
6: thanks for talking to me. days thanks. we thought would be forever. We played our happy games down beside the Dean of the River.
7: The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry, brought to you in association with Virgin Media, turning this Black Friday red in the Virgin Media Playhouse of Offers. See virginmedia.ie for more details. The Saturday Supplement with Frank Lewis on Radio Kerry.
6: All the bright long summer days, we thought would be forever. We played our happy
0: games. Groups and individuals, young and old, from Killarney, getting involved in aspects of their own story, the story of their own place, challenged and supported by Sandra Lee from storied Kerry. The story of your place that you are actively involved in, let us know about it. Ring 66 or text 83 300, 3 300 Now, Killarney Landscape, we're in the... Torque Gorge, the gorge going up into Torque Waterfall. You can hear the Algarve River in the background there, uh, quite a a flow at at the moment. And I'm joined by 13-year-old Jessica McCrahan and her mother Louise and 13-year-old Lauren Casey and we should have had her mother but unfortunately our times got mixed up so Trish, sorry about that. Jessica, how do you choreograph a dance to tell the story of the landscape of this very special place?
12: Well, it was great to partner up with the waterfall, as it's so energetic and graceful. And I, did, I put some Irish dancing in my dance as well, to show how energetic it can be. And I put some lyrical dance to show how graceful it can be when it, there's not heavy rainfall.
0: So the, the, the waterfall is really the music? Yeah. yeah, it is. And how many people did you get dancing like this? Just myself. Oh, you did it yourself? Yeah. Louise? How did you record the dance?
20: It was actually my husband who took over the recording of the dance. It was quite difficult, actually, because, as you know, Torque waterfall can be very, very busy at all times of yeah. year. So Even we had with frenzies feet. of tourists to yeah. contend with yeah. and uh, near misses with torrential rain. But, no, it it went very well, all in all. We nearly came to blows, Jess and I, a few times over what type of music to use, but... <laughs> We Who let won? her be the decider. Oh, Jessica <laughs> won, believe me. <laughs> Every time? Every single time,
0: yeah, she did, yeah. And where did you actually do this? Up near the waterfall itself?
20: The waterfall itself, yeah.
0: So. And how did you contend with the visitors? How did you manage?
20: We had to make a very quiet time, so we had a few takes, to be honest, but a very early morning take did the job. <laughs> Lauren, tell me about your, your painting of Torque.
12: I've never
22: painted a waterfall before so the first few attempts didn't go as planned but in the last one I feel like I captured the motion of the waterfall a lot better and I hope to practice more waterfalls in the future to get better
0: It's a lovely painting I mean in contrast to the kind of picture postcard sort of thing that you get out of the time, yeah. you,
22: you,
0: you get a feeling for the speed of the water, the volume of the water and, mm-hmm. and the whole surrounding there. It looks like a very special place, not just another tourist scene.
22: Yeah, that's what Tor- Torque waterfall is. How long did it take you to do it? It was a while because of the other attempts, but in the last one it took me like the morning and I took a break then and I did it in the evening.
0: Jessica, why did you choose Torque to do this project?
12: Well, I've many happy memories in Torque Waterfall. My parents used to bring me all the time here and we used to do the loop around often. And we used to run ahead of our parents and go in the bushes and jump out and (laughs) try to scare them. We also, one time there was like a rare bit of snow and we went to the top of the waterfall and we had a snowball fight. And we also made a mini snowman there too.
0: (laughs) Do you do a lot of choreography? Do you do a lot of making up dance yourself? Yeah,
12: I always like dance around my house when I'm at
20: home and it's really freeing.
0: Louise, have you a particular childhood memory of, of Torque yourself?
20: Well, I suppose it's a place we always used to come, my siblings and I when we were younger as well. So um, that's why we've, you know, consistently bought the, the children. And we as kids would always race up the Torque steps to see who could reach the viewing point first and you still race up there we do so my yeah. sister and i often come here to do the, <laughs> to do the cardiac steps and we'll here. always the we'll do so we always start off at torque waterfall to get the beauty in before we go through the pain <laughs> instead of making something that's in the family my husband would be a die at the camera yeah. so
0: he's regularly doing things and of particular subjects of
20: He's a cameraman for the news,
0: so oh. yeah. Ah. Oh, I should have, got I know who I have now. <laughs> Sorry, took me a while. <laughs> Lauren, what's your earliest memory of talk?
22: I just, whenever we go here, I don't have an earliest memory, but whenever we go here, we bring our two dogs, Molly and Shadow. And Shadow is the more energetic dog, so she would try to pull us into the water. That's what would be my best memories when we all go for a family walk because we have quite a big family, so yeah.
0: And your, your painting, how much painting do you do?
22: I do lots of painting. I used to go to like an art camp and all that, and I still do it at home, especially like watercolour. But in that painting, I use acrylics because I feel like it would get the greens of the trees and the, the water, it would be like better fit for it, I think.
0: You're also, aren't you, you're reflecting the movement of the water almost in the trees.
22: Yeah. yeah, that's what I was, I was trying to do that as, because I tried to get the shadow onto the water as well, because when you walk up Torque, you can obviously like see things in the water, like some trees have fallen, or like you can see the shadows, the reflections of them, mm. so yeah.
0: Do, do you ever hear the story about the waterfall that was told about Herbert, who claimed that he had hidden his treasure behind the waterfall? No, and that if you go in behind the water.
22: No, I've never heard that story <laughs> before. It,
0: it's worth reading up. It goes way back. It would make an interesting subject for another painting. Wouldn't
12: it? <laughs> yes, it was. Jessica. I hope to study dance.
0: Is it as somebody who would create the dance for others,
12: or do the dancing yourself? A bit of both. I re- I love dancing, but I also love making up dances as well.
0: The, I think the question I asked you earlier was it was where this all came from where where did you get the idea how did you think about it first
12: Well I got the idea because torque is so beautiful and I also got the music cuz like you can hear like the waterfall and um, the music paradise by Coldplay and going to torque waterfall really is a paradise
20: I was so delighted for the girls to have been invited by Sandra to participate in this project. I think it's a very, very special project. Um, Why is it? What what is it about it that appeals to you? Well, keeping stories alive, I think it's just so very important and lovely to know that these two girls now have created their their own story here at Torque. It's locked into the landscape here and it's just, it's very, very special.
0: But with the family uh, interests, how come you didn't build song into it as well?
20: i suppose we'd love to do that i do have a son that's very interested in music hopefully we'll be able to add to it with him creating his own music and maybe jessica dancing and lauren perfecting her art of the waterfall on painting is this
0: something that you will always have as a, as a hobby or is it something that you'd yeah, like to take painting
22: up i will always have because my granddad sometimes he'll come over and he'll show me different art techniques and then it will just motivate me to practice them because he's a very good artist as well.
0: Is is painting something that you would like to do as as a a, a career or, or would it always be a hobby?
22: No, I think it would always be a hobby.
0: And what would you like to do yourself career-wise? Um,
22: I'd like to be a teacher. I like being with children. It makes me happy and I have three younger sisters so helping them with their homework is something that I'm used to. Sandra, this will be,
0: I mean... Are you going to have dance as part of the exhibition?
5: It will be playing in the exhibition space. Perhaps. I think you should
0: bring her along and have her dance as well. Would you do that?
5: That would be fabulous. <laughs> <laughs>
12: maybe, maybe. I'm a bit shy, so I don't
0: know. Oh, once you get dancing, you'll forget how bad yeah. about that.
5: <laughs> hopefully.
0: <laughs> and the, the painting obviously will be on show as part the of The
5: painting, evening. yeah, the painting will be front row centre in the exhibition panel. What effect
0: did all the project have on you, on doing this, making out your dance, dancing
12: it? I think it's definitely boosted my confidence and also it's made me like a better dancer because I've never actually danced in the water, like beside the waterfall before.
20: So it was really a great experience to do. It's been a gift to come here and experience everything. To watch Jessica dancing, to watch how Lauren's art was being created. It's been amazing.
0: It's a great way, isn't it, to to make younger people aware of how special the place they're living in is.
20: It, It really is.
22: I suppose, like the story that you told me, I enjoy writing stories myself, so I sometimes... See a place, and I make up a story about it. Like this is a very good inspirational place to do that.
0: Has the project changed your interest or attitude to Killarney itself?
22: Um, I suppose, yeah, because the Abbey as well is close by, and it's like Mockers is just a very special place itself. So yeah, it would have.
6: We're
0: all very lucky to be living here, aren't we?
22: Yes, we are.
6: Bright, Thank you all. You're days. great. Thanks very much indeed. We thought it wouldn't be forever. We played our happy games down
7: beside... The Saturday Supplement on Radio Kerry brought you in association with Virgin Media, turning this Black Friday red in the Virgin Media Playhouse of Offers. See virginmedia.ie for more details. The Saturday Supplement with Frank Lewis on Radio Kerry.
6: All the bright long summer days we thought would be forever we played our happy games. Story Killarney, Sandra
0: Dunleaf from Story Kerry challenged groups and individuals, young and old, in their native Killarney on their active involvement in an aspect of the story of their own place. Now, film to tell a story from folklore. We're just off the road between Derek Connehy and Killarney. We're near the back entrance to Dynas on the new road that has been developed there. With Brian Bowler who wrote the script Mary Murphy will read a snatch of the script uh, with Brian and Glenn Bowler who took the very atmospheric photograph of a star-filled sky over a haunting Derek conaghy church do you want to introduce the piece
23: Brian? Overall it's um, a story when we were younger that we used to hear as an urban legend about Killarney and with that in mind then when I was in the West End they said can you develop something that you can relate to so that was something you can relate to but inside it there's loads of subtext when people read the piece they'll see that there's loads of subtext okay on you go
24: okay the scene is the interior of a car it's night there's a driver the headlamps show us a twisty downhill voyage we are shown the driver robert mid-30s his tie is loosened he is yawning opens the window for the cold air to keep him awake We hear the screech of car tires, but it's not him breaking. He slows down carefully and comes to a stop at derrick Junction. The main road goes to a 90 degree right, or straight ahead there's a rough secondary road. He peers out from his open window, confused. He notices a figure standing at a safe distance to his right. It's a boy, dressed in black, age 13 or 14.
16: Did you hear that too? Hear what?
23: That loud noise, like a car slamming on its brakes. No, I didn't hear anything. Oh, this is a dangerous junction. What are you doing here? Waiting for my father. What time is he due to collect you? Five o'clock. Well, it's half eleven now. He's very late. I can drop you to town if you like, but you'll have to go in the back as my folders are in the front.
24: We hear the back door shut, and Robert looks in the rear-view mirror. He sees Shawnee seated in the middle of the rear seat. Robert continues his journey. We see shots of more of the same twisty steep downward roads. His attention is on the road ahead.
0: Brian, tell me the story, the original story on which it's based.
23: So the original story is there's a man from Kinmare. He's passed away since, but he told us a story about uh, when we were going cycling to Sneem. He said, you are are aware that uh, that road is haunted? And we laughed at him. We said no. And he just went on to tell us that when he was a child he told us that on a rainy night if you were on that road especially by Derry Cunahy Church there'd be somebody tumming for a lift you'd give them a lift they'd always go in the back of the vehicle you could see them in the rear view mirror and you'd have a conversation with them but the closer you came to Killarney and usually around where the first church would be you'd look again in the mirror and he's gone and then you'd open the back seat check it and pad down the seat and the seat is dry his take on it was that it was a ghost you were speaking to. They were stuck in limbo and they were waiting to go to a church.
0: I've had at least two people, maybe three people, who've told me of not so much the full story, but of driving by Derrick down in this direction
23: and having that feeling of a presence, something unusual about it. Strangely enough, when we put the proposition forward in the West End, there was somebody from Calair, and they said, oh, there's something like that in my neck of the woods. So it could be like fairy folklore, kind of, even not going that far back, yeah. but some commonality in the f- sense of a hitchhiker and somebody that's passed away.
0: Glenn, tell me how you got that very spooky photograph of derry Church.
16: One August night, we went up to derry Church just before twilight, and we had planned with an app called PhotoPills to get the Milky Way just above the spire of derry Carnegie Church. We made our way onto the road as we saw no cars and aligned the composition with the spire in the Milky Way just above it. It was dead quiet up there, no noise at all. Just looking up at the stars was incredible, and you could really feel the presence of something else up there.
0: It, it's amazing, I mean, it really does bring together different worlds almost. I mean, as you say, the a star-filled sky. It's really huge numbers of stars out there. But also the light that is on the church gives that kind of spooky feeling, doesn't it? It does, yeah. How long did it all take?
16: We went up there before twilight. We got a few shots around the church. And more later on in the night when the Milky Way aligned, we kind of made it right over. So uh, we're up there for a good hour and a bit, I'd say, just absorbing the atmosphere.
0: And there's a little robin behind you listening to what we're talking about. Brian, explain the premise for your film, The Junction.
23: So the premise is, I I love. we were taught about this thing called subtext. So the whole thing about subtext is that when you're at a junction, you're at a decision point. So in the story, the boy is at a junction, this ghost, without giving too much away. He's at a junction, he's still in limbo, he's waiting to go to the next level. All of us will hopefully be the same. But in the story as well, the main protagonist, Robert, he's at a junction, he's trying to on the verge of conceiving a child with his wife but he's hesitant why is he hesitant because a relation is of his had a miscarriage so he's at a junction as well so that's the whole conceit is two people on a junction and just like anything in life you just have to take a risk to go Mm. to the next level mary were you involved throughout this
24: no not involved with any of that but i've been involved with brian since he joined ocus so i have got to know a wonderful individual a fantastic team player and a great supporter of everything that we do and his own work just amazes me actually and you can see the combination the, fami- the family trait and the arts is there mm-hmm. I was asking them about Ross uh, the other brother Glenn's other brother and he said he's into video games and things but probably he'll end up developing those mm-hmm. as well so as I said uh, Brian I, I, we, we prepared produced a few of his short scripts you know and they're all very novel you know there's just a lovely little he wrote this one about it it was called The Letter D and it was how a guy inherited a carpet showroom belonging to his brother and he wanted to sell them but he made a mistake in the ad and he advertised Drugs instead of rugs, <laughs> and it's a fantastic piece. The, the you know, the, uh, you know, what yeah, ensued.
0: Yeah, a different kind of clientele.
24: Exactly, yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it showed that in the people that came visiting him, you know. Yeah. And as I said, I, I admire Brian. As I said, he's learning all the time. He's just has done so many courses at, at the West End. I'm a firm believer in lifelong learning, and an age denier, not to fire at this stage. <laughs> and I really, I, I, admire what he does, really.
0: So, are you following your own diktat then?
24: Uh, maybe. <laughs> maybe. I'll leave that to you, Frank.
0: <laughs> Glenn, you won an important
16: award this year. Back in March at Fresh Film, and it's a fantastic thing for young filmmakers in Ireland. I made a 15 minute short film set in the park here in Muckris, based in the 19th century. It's a historic with a few local actors from Doug's drama group in the West End, such as Mikey Galvin, who played the male, main role. I just had really good fun making it over the course of six months throughout the different seasons and different weather and everything, it just all came together and it was really exciting to make. And wh- what was the thread, what was the theme of the film? The theme of the film was, it was kind of a dramatic drama in a way and it was set back in Muckross, based on an English settler cutting down the trees in Muckross, and just a local guy trying to plant all the trees back and replenish what was once there in Clarity.
23: So an environmental fight. Yeah. Brian, what are you at at the moment? So currently uh, there's a new course over in Kerry College called Content Development for TV and Film. It's a bit of a, a mouthful but essentially what it's about is producing scripts that'll be industry ready. So it's a year course, a script or a concept for something for the future that's going to be industry ready. So conceivably that next August any projects we've done we could bring them to market and sell them. And mainly with the hope that something will be made here in Kerry as you're always alluding to in your broadcast that you know we've such a great array of natural beauty here and there's a lot of good actors here but not everything has to be up in Wicklow or Dublin and is this a full time course? it's a full time course so how do you manage that? With I have a very supportive wife (laughs) (laughs) you mean literally? yeah yeah it's
0: great, it's fantastic. Sandra, w- will showing the junction be a part of the exhibition of all of the storied Killarney tales in Killarney House from the 20th of November to uh, hopefully to Christmas time?
5: Unfortunately, we won't be showing the actual film because it's uh, not made yet, but hopefully in the future we'll, we'll be doing that. We'll be displaying Brian's script in his exhibition panel mm-hmm. and obviously Glenn's uh, wonderful capture of Derry here. And to play us out
0: a, a further excerpt from
24: The Junction. It's an interior scene, a bedroom at night. Carefully Robert gets into bed. Amanda turns to him. Well, did you sleep in this morning?
23: No. Bad night's sleep. My mind was jumping all over the place.
5: So let me guess, you're tired?
23: Amanda, just hear me out. If all this is about timing, can we just wait until the time is right?
5: Robert, I'm well aware. I have approximately three days, which are the optimum time for successful fertilisation. You talk to me as if I'm clueless. Amanda gets out of bed and grabs her uniform. Where are you going? Into the A&E, early, because believe it or not, I can cope with the atmosphere in there easier
24: than the atmosphere in here. She slams the door. He belts the pillow.
0: Fantastic. So there you have uh, Brian Bowler, Barry Murphy and, of course, uh, Sandra is now an actress as well and Glenn Bowler was with us. Go along to Killarney House over the coming weeks and see all the individuals and groups that you've been listening to, the young and the old in Killarney, how they give snapshots of their active involvement in the story of their place, legend, landscape, flora, fauna, archaeology, history, folklore and the contemporary story. Mila Buechers, congratulations to Sandra Dunley, who, on behalf of Storied Kerry, came up with the idea, made the contacts, encouraged and supported, and put together the exhibition in Killarney House. Hopefully, she'll encourage many others. Many thanks to all my guests who came and talked with me in the place connected with their Killarney story. Today's programme was recorded on October the 21st. Tell me how you got involved in the story of your own place. Write Frank Lewis, Gellon, Mangerton Road, Muckras, Kidarni. Email franklewismangerton at gmail.com. Text 083 300 3300 or phone 066 On today's programme, location sound, Siobhan Lewis. Post-production, Colette Foley. From me, Frank Lewis, until the last Saturday in December the 30th, when I'll take you on a walk to the great Kerry story. It's a bit early to be wishing you a happy Christmas. I leave that to Joe McGill, who will be back with you next Saturday. But it's not too early to wish that these weeks before and during Christmas bring some sanity in Ukraine and Gaza, and that our focus might be on giving more where there is less. Thanks for your company. Francis Jones will be with you after the news. And so, to play us out...